Come on in the room. Come on in the room. Welcome, my beautiful family. This word on tonight, my brothers and my sisters, I believe it is a necessary word, a vital word. We are talking about is anybody loyal anymore? Is anybody loyal anymore? Does anybody ever ask that question? Where's the loyalty at? Is anybody faithful? What happened to loyal people? So we are going to dive in. Thank you so much for joining us for this pressure series. And I am excited. Go ahead and tag us. Let us know where you are in the world and how this series and this ministry is blessing your life. Not gonna be before you long, but I am gonna be strong. I want to get straight to work. Our foundational text comes from Genesis. Genesis chapter 19. It's a few passages of scripture that I would like for us to read for our time that we have together on tonight. Genesis chapter 19, verse 20. It says, Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin is so grievous, that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went down toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abram, Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if, what if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and, and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, if I find 50 people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if, what if the number of righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him, what if only 40 are found there? And he said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry. Let me speak just once more. What if only 10? What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. What, what we are seeing right here in this foundational text is so powerful and it's such a needed discussion, which is why we are having it for the continuation of this pressure series. We're having this conversation during this sermonic journey because we have a whole generation who claims they have a strong cutoff game. <laughs> my cutoff game is strong. I'll cut somebody off so quick for my piece. I'll cut them off. And like I articulated before, is it your cutoff game is strong or do you have a selective cutoff game? 
So what you're going to do is, so what you're going to do is you're going to cut off the church. You're going to cut off the church because of some narcissistic businessman in a pulpit who was using a religious title as pastor. Who was using a religious title as pastor and using your trauma as monetization. What you're going to do is cut off the church. I'm done with the church. I'm done with church people. I'm done with all that Jesus stuff. I'm done with it. Miss me with it. So you're going to use that energy to cut off the church, but you won't use that same energy to cut off that narcissistic toxic bait. <laughs> Selective cut off game. Selective cut off game. We have a whole generation who claims they value and love loyalty. Claims they love and value loyalty, but truth be told, many people are loyal to opportunities. They're not loyal to people. Oh, we. They're not loyal to people. They are loyal to opportunities. They're loyal to opportunities. A person who does not understand the value of faithfulness and the value of loyalty will never understand the damage of betrayal. Did y'all hear what I just said? Anytime a person does not understand the value of faithfulness and the value of loyalty, they will never be able to understand the damage of betrayal. They were not loyal to you. They were loyal to the opportunity, which is how we have now people who label themselves opportunist. <laughs> Listen, y'all, listen, you will always be out of tune with the orchestra of the faithful if the only tune you live by is opportunities. It's going to be real in here tonight. Did y'all hear what I just said? You will always be out of tune with the orchestra of the faithful if the only tune you live by is opportunities, loyalty, faithfulness. Faithfulness and loyalty, loyalty and faithfulness. God, what if, what if there are 40 people there that are loyal? What if there are 35 people there that are righteous? What, what, what if there are 20 people there who, who operate with the level of faithfulness to you? I will spare the whole city, Abraham, if I could find just 30 people who are loyal and who are faithful to me. You know how we get hurt? We get hurt because many times we have confused and mislabeled loyal as attachment. We think because they're here, they're loyal to you. There is a difference with somebody being assigned to you versus somebody who is attached to you. Please hear me. There is a difference when somebody is assigned to you versus when somebody is attached to you. When somebody is assigned to you, they will be faithful with helping you complete tasks. When somebody is attached to you, they're only here to benefit from the task that you have completed. Did y'all hear me? They're only here because they are loyal. They are loyal to the opportunity. A person who's assigned to you will help you complete tasks. The person who's attached to you wants to benefit from the task that you have completed. They're only here because they're using you for their gain. Please hear me. They were never loyal. They were attached. 
They were never loyal. They were attached. And since I'm out here and I came out the gate swinging for the introduction of this message, I might as well go ahead and put my foot on the gas some more. You really don't know how loyal a person is until they are faced with options. Please hear me. You don't know the caliber of a person's faithfulness or loyalty until they are faced with options and opportunities. This is so good, y'all. I asked a question on Sunday night. I got on social media and I made a video. I said, listen, I want you to drop down in the room. I want you to drop down in the room. Why does it appear that there is a lack of faithfulness? Why does there appear to be a famine of loyalty? And it was a long discussion. And as I went back to read, as I went back to go read the comments, I noticed that the common statement was due to our sinful nature and due to all of our options. What if I were to tell you that a multiple introduction of options and opportunities can be a form of temptation? <laughs> it can be a form of a temptation. They were not loyal to you. They were loyal to the opportunity because people don't abandon what they want. They abandon what they were using. People do not abandon what they want unless it was unhealthy. People do not abandon things that they want and value. They abandon things that they were using. You'll never know the loyal from the fake without options, opportunities, storms, valleys, and watch this, pandemics. <laughs> You'll never know how loyal or how faithful an individual is or how loyal you are until you are faced with options, opportunities, storms, valleys, or pandemics. Everybody wants to ride in the yacht, but who is going to be willing to row in a crisis? Everybody wants to ride on the yacht, but who is going to row in the middle of a crisis? And if there's one thing that crisis has taught Jerry, it is crisis reveals to us who Christ is. This is so good. Crisis reveals to us who Christ is. It took for me to go through a crisis for me to understand that Christ is a mind regulator. It took for me to go through a crisis for me to understand that Christ is a provider. It took for me to go through a crisis for me to understand that Christ is truly a keeper. It's one thing to quote, he will never leave you nor forsake you. It's another thing when you're in the fiery furnace and you see the fourth man in the fire with you. It's one thing to go through a crisis. But many times God uses crisis to show us, to show us who Christ is is who Christ is. They weren't loyal to you. And many of us aren't loyal to people or to God. We're just loyal to opportunities. Yeah. We're, we're just loyal to opportunities. And if we're not careful, we will allow the fact that they have departed that has caused for us to build walls. Can we talk tonight? Can we talk tonight? What Jerry has discovered through serving people, counseling sessions, or whatever it may be, I have discovered the people who have the highest walls usually have the deepest love. People who have built the highest walls are those who love hard. And somebody they loved was not loyal. 
Somebody they loved took advantage of their heart. Pain builds walls, but healing and wisdom builds doors. I need to say that again. Pain builds walls, but healing and wisdom builds doors. I'm trying to help somebody on tonight construct a door. Because you have built a wall due to the lack of faithfulness. You have built a wall because people have violated your loyalty. You have built a wall, but I want to help you build some doors. God, if I find 20, will you spare the city? God, if, if I find 25, will you spare the city? If, if, I, if I find 15, will you spare the city? Abram, I will spare the whole city if you could just find 10 people who are loyal, 10 people who are righteous, 10 people. I will spare the whole place. What we are seeing in our foundational text is that loyalty provides a hedge. Follow me. Are you getting this? Will you, will you spare Sodom and Gomorrah if there are 20 people, if there are 30 people, if I find 10 Abraham, if I find 10 people who are faithful, if there are 10 people who are loyal, if there are 10 people who are righteous, I will spare the whole city. What we are seeing from this biblical text, from this biblical narrative, what we're seeing is loyalty provides a hedge. A whole city, God, I feel this thing, y'all, a whole city would have been spared if there was a remnant of loyal people there, God, a whole city would have been spared if there was a remnant of righteous people there. Because Abraham had a relationship with the Lord and Abraham was loyal to God. He spared his family, but the whole city would have been spared if God would have had some loyal people there. Oh, if we picked our relationships due to hedges. What if we were like, okay, I know you cool, but do you come with a hedge? Because I have a hedge. Because loyalty provides a hedge. Oh, if we pick spouses off of this, I know he's fine, but does he come with the hedge? Because I have a hedge. I know she's fine, but does she come with the hedge? Because I already have a hedge. Because people come with climates. I don't even have time to unpack that. We got to deal with that Sunday or something. I don't even have time to unpack that. People come with climates. I know that pastor is popular, but does he come with a hedge? Do they have a hedge over there? Because just because popularity is there doesn't mean the king of glory is there. Doesn't mean faithfulness is there. Doesn't mean this is an atmosphere that is teaching me how to spiritually grow. Just because it calls itself a church or a ministry. Woo, we get in trouble. Just because it claims to be a ministry and is popular does not mean it has trained us how to be faithful followers of Jesus. God, will, will you spare it? If there are 20, if you, will you spare it if there's 30? Will you spare it if there's 10? Abram, I will spare the whole city if there are just 10 people who are loyal and faithful to me. Now, please don't misconstrue what I'm saying. Faithfulness does not omit storms. Faithfulness does not omit storms. But faithfulness is insurance that you won't collapse from the storm. Yeah. Faithfulness does not omit storms or trials, 
but it does provide us with insurance that you won't collapse because your foundation is a foundation of faithfulness on the rock. Let me give you Bible. Let me give you Bible. Can y'all believe I'm just an introduction? Let me give you Bible. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus is speaking. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. The rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey is foolish. Somebody put in the room, that's a fool. Make your lip hang, that's a fool. Anybody who does not, does not obey is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Faithfulness does not omit us from going through storms, but faithfulness does give us insurance that we won't collapse. And my concern for my generation is we have built our foundation on attention. We have built our foundation on acceptance. We have built our foundation on attention versus a foundation on faithfulness on the rock. God, will you spare the city for just 20 people? Abraham, I tell you, if I could find just 10 people who are loyal, who are righteous, and who are faithful to me, I will spare the whole city. The loyalty of those people in the city will cause for them to experience a hedge that they didn't even know about. Give you more Bible. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Because people don't abandon what they want. People abandon what they were using. Unless it is unhealthy, we don't abandon what we don't want. We abandon what we were using. God, would you help us to have faithful hearts? We see right here in the introduction of this message in this text that loyalty and faithfulness and righteous living to you provides a hedge. And God, would you give us hearts that are loyal to you, not just loyal to an opportunity or loyal to your hand, but God, we are faithful and loyal to your heart. In Jesus' name. We pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you drop in the room, amen, and here we go. Amen, and here we go. God, if there's 30 people there, if there's 25 people who are righteous, if, there, if there's just 15 people who are loyal, if, there, if there's just 10 people who are faithful, will you spare the whole city, Abraham, if I could find 10 people? who are loyal to me, I will spare the whole city. I would like to speak around this thought from this subject for a few moments as we're continuing this pressure series, 
Is anybody loyal anymore? Is anybody loyal anymore? Confession time, because this message on tonight is going to hit different. Confession time, can I get everybody to put this in the room in all caps? Everybody putting this in the room, all caps. God, give me a heart of loyalty and faithfulness. Make me like you. Can somebody declare that over their life? Put that in the room. Say it out loud. I don't care if you're driving. I don't care if you're watching this in the middle of the night. Let's speak this over ourselves. God, give me a heart of loyalty and faithfulness. Make me like you. Make me. Make me. I saw this with the prodigal son when he left his father's house. He said, give me my share of the inheritance. Then after he went through a hardship, after he went through a famine, he said, I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to say, would you make me just like one of your hired servants? Notice how his prayer shifted from give me to make me, make me, make me like you. Loyalty. Is anybody loyal anymore? Loyal. Loyal to our vows. Loyal to our faith. Loyal to our covenant. How about loyal to your healing? Like loyal to, to your healing because you have to heal for your assignment. You have to heal for your children. You know why you have to heal for your children? So your children won't have to embrace healing to try to heal from their parent. Oh, we have to heal for our children so our children won't have to heal from having us as parents. Healing. 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 Is there anybody loyal anymore? I have this dog. Beautiful German Shepherd named Judah. This is a picture of my beautiful homie, my German Shepherd, Judah. And I used to have a dog back in the day named Romeo. Now, these were two totally different types of dogs. Romeo was a type of dog, if you crack the gate, if you barely open the front door, he's gone. That sound effect, though. I mean, just he's gone. You whistle. Come in. Oh, Romeo's not coming back. <laughs> Romeo, like, you didn't make the mistake. You didn't let me. Romeo's gone. Romeo, as soon as there's a crack, as soon as, watch this, there's an opportunity. As soon as there's an opportunity, he's gone. Now, Judah... My, my, my German shepherd, he's a little different. I could open the front door and Judah won't walk out. He actually will stand on the side of me or slightly behind me. And when I open the front door, the first thing he does is he looks at his master. This is so good. The first thing he does is he looks at his master. And he's not talking to me, but I could read the language of my German shepherd, of my dog. What he's saying is, are we going out here? Because I know the door is open, but if the master didn't open that door for me to go, I won't go. I know this looks like a great opportunity for me to go run outside, but if you don't go, I'm not going. There could be a squirrel. There could be a rabbit, y'all, that just bounces across my front yard. He could see the rabbit and still look at me for permission because he has learned just because a door is open, if my master does not go, if my master does not take me with him, I won't go. If my master won't take me with him, I won't go. And I wonder, could this be one of the reasons why a lot of us haven't experienced a lot of open doors in our life? It's because God knows if I open a door, you'll leave me. 
You, you're really not here for my heart. You're here for my hand. If I were to give you that platform, if I were to give you that endorsement, if I were to give you that opportunity, you would just leave me because you are loyal to opportunities versus loyal to your master. Somebody put in the room loyalty, 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 loyalty. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, that there is a problematic and undertaught quality and attribute that is a contributor to our heartaches, headaches, pain, tears, prolonged seasons, and scandals. And that is the lack of training and biblical education in the area of faithfulness. That was a lot. I need to say it again a little slower. There is a problematic and there is a dangerous, undertaught, under-equipped attribute and quality that is a contributor to our heartaches, headaches, tears, pain, prolonged seasons, and scandals. And that is the lack of training and biblical education in the area of faithfulness. Faithfulness. Listen, y'all, this is so real that we aren't shocked when we find out somebody was unfaithful. This is so real that disloyalty doesn't shock us, but loyalty does. <laughs> this is so real that we aren't shocked by the faithlessness of people. What actually shocks us is when somebody's faithful, when there appears to be a man or a woman who is genuine and who seems to be faithful, it erects suspicion. Something can't be right. Something wrong with that brother. Something wrong with that woman. They probably doing something. Why? Because there has been a cycle of trauma and the cycle of trauma makes it to where when peace arrives, it causes suspicion. We're not shocked by faithlessness, we're actually shocked by somebody who is actually faithful. Now listen, faithfulness and loyalty is something we just assume people should have. Listen, faithfulness and loyalty is something we just assume people should have. Well, that's, that's his wife, he should be faithful to her. That's, that's her husband, ah, she should be faithful. They have taken an oath and a vow to serve and protect. They should just be faithful. They should just be faithful. They stood before a whole congregation of people and they shared vows. They said a lot of powerful vows, a lot of powerful words in their vows, and they declared a covenant before everybody. They should be faithful. Let me give you a shock and illumination. This is real deep. Like we're not snorkeling, we're scuba diving. This is real deep. Let me give you a shock and illumination. Words don't change hearts. That's deep, isn't it? <laughs> Words don't change hearts. Just because with our mouth we say that we're loyal, that does not equate a faithful heart. That does not equate a faithful heart. What if I were to tell you that faithfulness and loyalty needs to be taught? When have you heard that? Faithfulness and loyalty needs to be taught. But for most of us, we assume 
They should be faithful based on what they said. But faithfulness and loyalty needs to be taught because words don't change hearts. The reason I'm preaching this is because there is a pressure to be unfaithful. Why? It is due to the seductress of options and opportunities. There are so many options that are seducing us to leave our post, to break our vows, to break our commitment. There are so many things that seduce us to not stick with what we said. And I think we need to have a conversation and a biblical education on faithfulness. We know that God is faithful, but he requires and expects for you to be faithful too. And I'm getting ahead of myself. One of the fruits of the spirit is faithfulness. It's amazing to me how we do not know, we have not been taught, we have not been educated on how to have a faithful heart, but then we expect people to be relationally faithful. We have to be taught. I'm preaching y'all. We have to be taught how to have hearts of faithfulness and loyalty. We have preached sermons about your sin and your sin being wrong. We preach to you about giving and we preach to you about shouting and we preach to you about praising. We preached that before. We preached about how wrong that is. And then some religious sectors actually demonize people who came out of Egypt, but from time to time still miss and desire their Egypt ways. I still desire to get high. I still desire the club scene. I still desire to talk to my ex. Why y'all looking at me like that? I'm trying to be real and organic. I still desire this. I, st I still desire sometimes to go back and sip on a little gin and juice. I still desire. To, I still desire those things. What about disciple them? Disciple them instead of demonize them. Disciple them. Just because you came to Jesus and said, I need you as my Lord and Savior. At that moment, when you confessed, God, I'm done with doing things my way. I need you to be my Lord and my Savior. You're saved. You confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart. But just because you confess does not mean your heart has automatically changed to be faithful. Does not mean that your heart has automatically been trained on how to be loyal. Faithfulness is an attribute of God. And we do not come out of our mother's womb with faithful hearts. Faithfulness is an attribute of God and is evidence of the fruit of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. That doesn't just happen because we're born into the earth realm. We have to develop, be taught, be shaped. How do I have a heart of faithfulness? The, 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 the closer I get to God, the, the closer he gets to me because when my relationship with God changes... By default, my relationship with sin changes. And when my relationship with sin changes, my relationship with God changes. Either the Bible is keeping you away from sin or sin is keeping you away from the Bible. Faithfulness must be taught. I think most of us would agree and we are aware that God is faithful. That's not on trial here. That is not my sermonic content on tonight about God's faithfulness. We know that God is faithful. We know that God is loyal. We know that God is a covenant keeper. We know that God is a promise keeper. We, we know that God is so loyal. If there was a way for me to articulate how loyal God is, 
God is so loyal that he keeps his word even after we're dead. <laughs> Talk about loyalty. God is so loyal. He's like, okay, um, Isaac, the same way I was with your father, Abraham, that's the same way I'm going to be with you. Oh, okay, uh, Joshua, the same way I was with Moses. Oh, the same way I'm going to be with you. He's so loyal to even after death, he doesn't stop on his promises. He's so loyal, he's so faithful that Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12 tells us this way, that, that he watches over his word to perform it. I'm so loyal when I speak a thing, I watch over it to make sure it comes into fruition. I, I'm so loyal and so faithful when I say a thing, Isaiah chapter 55 puts it this way, my word will never return unto me void because he is a faithful, a loyal a righteous, a promise keeper, covenant keeping God. That is not on trial. The question and the content of this message is not about the faithfulness of God, but rather how do we learn how to be faithful to God? How do we learn how to be faithful to God? You may you probably haven't heard it this way before, but I'm trying to get us to understand. You don't come into this world faithful. A man doesn't become loyal or faithful just due to some words. Something has to happen in his heart. And if I have faithful words, but a faithless heart, my heart is eventually going to catch up with my words. This is so good, y'all. I shared last year, if you want to be a barber, you go to barber school. If you want to be a cosmetologist, you go to cosmetology school. If you want to be a doctor, you go to med school. If you want to be a lawyer, you go to law school. But where do you go when you want to learn how to have a faithful heart? Where do you go to learn loyalty? This starts as, starts as young as fourth grade. There's a fourth grader upset because they thought this was their best friend, but somebody new came to the school and now they're playing on the swings with them. Now they exchange and gushers. Well, I don't even know if they do that. You know, we grew up, we exchanged gushers and starbursts and I got jello, you got pudding. We exchanged. I don't even know if they do that anymore. They don't even have puppy love anymore. It's like full grown rock waller. <laughs> Aggressive love. There's a high school student right now, probably watching me live, crying over a 15-year-old boy that you thought would be loyal to you in high school. We don't know. Our human hearts aren't faithful and loyal at birth. And words, words do not match hearts unless the heart has first been changed. Loyalty. Somebody please put in the room loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. Yeah, I know. You may log on for your virtual algebra class, but where do you log on for heart health and to learn how to have a heart of faithfulness? Loyalty and not understanding biblical faithfulness will have us being loyal and faithful to things that are toxic. My God, not understanding biblical faithfulness and loyalty will have us being loyal to things that are unhealthy. We'll be loyal to toxicity. And loyalty to toxicity is a perversion of honor. Okay, so, so, so let's break this down. What is faithfulness? Faithfulness is a constant choice to remain. This is so powerful, y'all. Faithfulness is a constant choice to remain. It is the anthem 
and the cadence of allegiance. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is the unwavering choice of being committed. Faithfulness is unwavering commitment. And commitment is the transportation system that takes a relationship from surface to depth. Whoo! Y'all gonna have to replay this, y'all. This is so good. This is so good. Commitment. Commitment is the transportation system that takes a relationship from surface to depth. The reason a lot of us haven't experienced depth in revelation is because we're surface Christians. We're committed to opportunities. But, but when we are committed to his person, when we're committed to the kingdom agenda, then now the Lord recognizes if you draw to me, I'm going to draw nigh to you and I can give some depth with my revelation. Faithfulness is the greatest currency. Please hear me. Faithfulness is the greatest currency. It makes you rich in spirit. It is the greatest currency. It keeps you rich in spirit. The byproduct of pursuing God is holiness. And holiness changes our heart into faithfulness. This is so good. Taurus, are you hearing me? This is so good. The byproduct of pursuing God is holiness. And holiness changes our hearts to be faithful. It is faithfulness. It is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, look at this word, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Faithfulness is evidence of a spirit-led individual because faithfulness is fruit of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit is governing this individual's life. And they're striving to live, it, live a spirit-led life. And since they're striving to live a spirit-led life, they have a heart of faithfulness. And their faithfulness is fruit of my presence. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is the constant choice to remain. Now, this is problematic. This is problematic because we live in a world and culture. We live in a world and culture constantly follows trends but the kingdom agenda is to follow doctrine uh-oh culture follows trends and trends constantly change but faithfulness is the constant choice to remain are y'all catching this culture follows trends and trends change but god doesn't change he's the same yesterday today and forevermore Culture follows trends, kingdom agenda, we follow doctrine. Culture follows trends, and trends change, but faithfulness is the constant decision to remain. So it's going to be hard for you to follow culture and say that you're faithful. It's going to be hard for culture to be your professor, but then for you to profess that your heart type has fruit of the Holy Spirit, because culture constantly changes but faithfulness faithfulness is the decision to remain and faithfulness should not require eyes or lights 
so good. Faithfulness should not require eyes or lights. Eyes or lights because I'm faithful in the dark. I just firmly believe loyalty should not require my presence. Is there anybody else who believes that? Like, be faithful behind my back, not just in front of my face. Loyalty and faithfulness does not require eyes or lights because it is a heart posture. Even when there are no lights or no eyes on me, I have a heart type of faithfulness. And here we go. Here we go. Faithful is better than successful. This is so good, man. I was blessed in my study. I told you, I just believe if the sermon doesn't bless the preacher, you shouldn't preach it. Faithful is better than successful. And here's the thing. Sometimes being faithful doesn't look successful. And that's dangerous for the generation we live in because how do you post faithfulness? <laughs> how do you post faithfulness? And this becomes a struggle for individuals who live for an appearance of success because faithfulness is not something you post. It is a heart posture. And faithfulness does not always look successful. And this is so countercultural because culture teaches us whenever we are in a thing that is giving us less, leave. If it's giving us less, leave. You can find it somewhere. If he ain't getting it here, he gonna get it somewhere else. Whenever you experience less, go find more somewhere else. But here's the problem. God teaches us faithfulness with the less. Are you hearing me? Culture, if you get less, leave. You deserve more. Kingdom, I teach you faithfulness with the less. What do you do when God gives you two fish and five loaves if you follow cultural beliefs? What do you do when God places you in a pasture and you have palace anointment, anointing, but you have to stay in a pasture and tend some sheep? What do you do when God just gives you manna for that day, daily bread? Culture teaches us we're not faithful to less because you can find better. You got options. Faithfulness is when God uses the less to train us. Give you Bible. Give you Bible. Zechariah. Chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Luke chapter 16, verse 10, it says, If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful handling this small amount. So now I will give you many responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Faithfulness. It's amazing to me how we don't like taking tests, but we love things that have been tested. And depending on the level of responsibility, the more testing. There is a different type of test you have to take to fly a plane than the type of test you have to take to drive a car. We hate taking tests, but we love things that have been tested. Why? Because if it has been tested, it could be trusted. We don't like taking tests, but then 
We like things that have been tested because that means it can be trusted. I'll be the first one to tell you, if I ever were to get on an aircraft and the pilot come on the intercom, well, ladies and gentlemen, this is my first time flying since uh, flight school and I really didn't get much training, but I'm gonna fly this today. Thank you so much for joining me for this opportunity. I'll be the first one, Tanisha, get your bags. We gonna catch another flight. We, I don't care, I don't care if they try to upgrade to first class. If this man has not got the proper training, my life is not about to be your test drive. That's a whole word. <laughs> Faithfulness and loyalty has to be taught. And I believe there's this system that God uses to get us to have faithful hearts. It's a collision, decision, redefinition, vision, and repetition. So good. Collision, decision, redefinition, vision, and repetition. To have a faithful heart, we first have to have a collision course encounter with he who is faithful. I have to know God. I have to know God. And then after I have been introduced to God, I make a decision. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. But God gives us the answer key. He says, um, but I will choose life so that you and your seed may live. You and your seed may live. You have to make a decision. A decision, a line of demarcation in the sand. Are you going to go all out for the king? Or are you going to be just a Christian who wants to pass? <sighs> if you just want to pass, you're like, I just want to go to heaven. That is it. That's all I want to do. I just want to go to heaven. But if you want to do more than that, if you want to be, if you want to go all out for the king, you're going to have to recognize, okay, God, I have decided that you are my Lord and Savior. And now my decision has led to surrender. I surrender my ways. I surrender my rights. I surrender my life because it is my heart's desire. And I have decided to be a kingdom citizen. And that decision causes a redefinition. It causes for me to redefine loyalty. It causes for me to redefine love. It, it causes for me to redefine serving. I don't serve because I have to. I serve because I want to. And some people never leave this particular phase of the heart change sequence of allowing God to redefine their heart, of allowing God to give them another definition of success. You want success that you can post. I want you to understand that faithfulness is the greatest currency because it makes you rich in spirit. I want you to view wealth by how much fruit you produce. I want you to view wealth about how you're producing gentleness and how you're producing kindness and how you're producing joy. I want you to view that as wealthy. I want to give you another definition. And then you have to have a vision. You have to have a vision. It's hard to be loyal to something you don't see. It's hard to be loyal to something that you don't believe in. This is why I believe the word tells us in Habakkuk chapter 2, write the vision down. Make it plain. I have to have a vision. I have to have a vision. I'm loyal 
and I'm faithful to my God, and I'm faithful to study, and I'm faithful to be a student of the scriptures, and I'm faithful with using my gift to edify the body, because I believe in my lifetime, we could have a revival of people who desire the kingdom agenda. That's my vision. That's my vision. I want God to get glory out of my life, and I want to have a house, and I want to have a church that is kingdom-minded. So that keeps me faithful with studying kingdom content. The last one, repetition. Same thing over and over. Loyalty sometimes is just repetition. I come home to my wife every day, every single day. <laughs> Love my wife every day, every day. Love my God every day. So I read the Bible every day, sermons every day, because it is a repetitious cycle that I'm engaged in because I need God to change my heart. God to change my heart. It is the weight room of faithful development. So you're like, okay, Jay, this, I don't have no more edges left. You came from my throat. Matter, matter of fact, you came from my ugula. That's the dangly thing in the back of my throat. You, you came for everything. But how do I strengthen my heart to become faithful? If faithfulness is something that has been assumed but has not been developed and equipped, how do I, how do I train my heart to be faithful, not just to people but to God? Number one, a lifestyle of fasting. <laughs> a lifestyle of fasting. Can you commit to your fast for 20 days? Can you commit to that 21-day fast, that three-day fast? A lifestyle of fasting may be on Wednesday, I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast. This weekend, I'm going to fast. A lifestyle of fasting. What this does is fasting strengthens your know, and it is a reminder to the flesh you not boss. Did you hear what I just said? When you live a lifestyle of fasting, this is not just fasting when the pastor says fast. A lifestyle of fasting is I'm constantly fasting all throughout the month, all throughout the year. It may not be for 40 days, 21 days. It could be for one day. It could be for three days. But I'm constantly fasting because fasting strengthens my know. And it is a reminder to the flesh, you not boss. I fast because it gives me a spiritual authority. When Jesus was talking to his disciples and they could not cast out an unclean spirit, he said, these kind only come out by fasting and prayer. Fasting trains you to stick with something. Loyalty and faithfulness is the constant choice to remain. And when you fast, you're teaching yourself, stick with this fast. And another thing about fasting, it reveals where the enemy has a room. It reveals where the enemy has a room. Whatever rages when you fast reveals his control center. My God. When you're fasting, whatever part of your flesh starts raging, raging, the flesh that wants to watch porn, the, 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 the part of you that wants to go back and watch something on Netflix, wherever the part of you rages, it reveals the control room. How do I have a faithful heart and what are some things I could do to train it? Number two, intimacy. Intimacy. We've heard it many times before. Intimacy is into me see. It's God, look into me. I'm not hiding anything from you. My failures, my inadequacies, and even my strengths, God, here it is. Because intimacy requires nudity. I'm not hiding anything. Because when you hide your issues and your flaws, by default, it positions you to engage in secret warfare. 
And spiritual leaders like myself cannot help you overcome a devil that you won't admit that you're fighting. Intimacy. Intimacy brings healing, identity, and value. And number three, how do I have a heart? A faithfulness I have to serve. Where do you faithfully give yourself to? Where do you faithfully serve? Serving and giving is so paramount that Jesus says it this way. The only way that you can hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. If you break it down, Jesus is saying those who have, those who will hear, well done, must be faithfully serving somewhere. Serving in my church, in, in my home, in my community. Where is my gift of generosity being extended? Because this teaches me not to hoard. Please hear me. Please hear me. You can never be loyal if you have a heart of hoarding. I give it away. I give it away. Give it away, give it away. This is why I stated several times, when God blesses me, it's for me to bless you. And when God blesses you, it's for you to bless them. And what we are dealing with right now is we just assume and expect people and even ourselves to be faithful due to words. And I came here on the night to let you know, faithfulness must be taught. And the reason we don't follow culture is because the culture tells us to, to not be faithful to less than. But God teaches us faithfulness with the less. God, would you spare the city for 40, 30, 25 righteous, 15 loyal, or even 10 people who follow you? And God said, I will spare the whole city if I can find just 10 loyal people. And may we be individuals who have hearts of loyalty so people in our household and our community don't even recognize you getting a hedge because of the remnant of the righteous. God, I feel your presence in this moment. Would you forgive us for not being loyal to you, but being loyal to what you can give us? Help us, oh Jesus, have hearts that are surrendered to the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can help us be fruitful. Help us give out fruit of joy and fruit of kindness and fruit of faithfulness. Faithfulness is not something that we come here in the world possessing. It must be taught, it must be developed, it must be discipled. So Holy Spirit, disciple us, teach us, and develop us so that I won't be an individual who's loyal to opportunities because I will never be on tune with the orchestra of the faithful if the only tune I live by is opportunities. Help us to be faithful, a constant choice to remain. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.